0: Welcome, welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
1: I am your co-host, Austin.
0: And we even have a special guest that you might hear in the background. It is Austin's mom.
1: Say hello. Hi.
0: I'm not sure if you can hear that, but she's here. She's going to listen to this episode. She gets exclusive access, VIP.
1: This is better than what you get if you pay for Patreon.
0: Oh, speaking of Patreon. What is
1: Patreon? (laughs) That was the cheesiest thing ever. Patreon,
0: Austin, a Patreon is someone who donates... Every month. And we have a few new Patreons. Jessica Hoffman, Clarissa Mann, and Justine without a last name. Shout there's out, just y'all. No, there's just no last name. Thank so, you hey, for Justine. the support, guys. Yes, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. We have hit 20 Patreons, which means you all get the stickers. So the rest of the stickers... Exclusive
1: access to episodes before anybody else.
0: Yep. Um, and free. other cool shit. Yeah. Um, scripts, all that good stuff. So today... We're talking about the Tot family, and this case was recommended by a lot of you because there was recently a viral TikTok made about this case, so I had a bunch of people screenshotting it and sending it to me. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, when that many people talk about one case, I move it to the top of my list. I've got a list of like 20, 25 recommendations, and I love it when you guys send me recommendations because it takes a lot of the work off of me. I want to make episodes that you want to hear, so send them my way. So yeah, yeah. Today, we are talking about the Tott family.
1: The Tott family. What country?
0: Uh, the U.S. America. Yep. And uh, it is super recent. In fact, the trial for this case has not yet started. That is how recent this case Serious? is. Serious?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's a so fresh So this is one.
1: exclusive access.
0: Yeah, if this is fresh. Fresh, hot off the press.
1: This is Mama Mystery Insider. Yeah. Oh.
0: Okay, so... Before we get started, it helps to start way back in the beginning. Okay, so we're going to rewind a little bit to
1: 1980. Ooh, that's like
0: Nam. Austin. You always <laughs> say that, and I don't think you have any. We idea haven't had a case like nom this since nom. occurred. We're just going to skate past that. Okay. So Robert Todd was a. We're talking about Robert Tot right now. Okay, we're going to go back to 1980. Robert Tot. He was a special education teacher and a wrestling coach in Levittown, Pennsylvania. So, Robert taught, taught. Robert taught, did taught.
1: No, Robert taught, taught.
0: He did taught.
1: No, he taught, he teached.
0: I get it, Austin.
1: Robert taught, taught. Taught Anyway,
0: he was married to his wife, Loretta. I love that name, Loretta. And they had two children together, Anthony and Christine. Friends and neighbors had wonderful things to say about the Tot family and their seemingly picturesque life. But their picturesque life suffered from an irreparable fracture when on March nineteenth of nineteen eighty that is really noisy. Can you just I just spilled it down? some tea? You did. Oh man. Always Austin with the pause. Just Cheers. Just set it on the table. Mm-hmm. No more. We're back. Okay. Geez, Louise. I don't even know what I said. Oh, yeah. March 19th, 1980. Loretta was shot in the face by an intruder inside their home. Whoa. Robert wasn't at home at the time. He said he was attending some night school classes, but the kids were home, and the gunshot and screams from Loretta woke up their four-year-old son, Anthony. Anthony rushed to his parents' room to find what he described as, quote, a man wrestling with her on a bed. When Robert came home, he found his wife miraculously still alive after being shot through her eye. She ultimately survived, even though the vision in her left eye was destroyed, so she was blind in that eye. And the bullet stayed in her skull. It was just one of those bullets, like one of those shots where it was safer to leave it in than take it out. It just
1: escalated so quickly.
0: yeah. So when police and EMTs arrived, they they assumed that it was a burglary gone wrong. The dresser drawers were all pulled out, and everything in the drawers was, like, scattered all over the floor, and the place was a mess, but nothing was actually missing from the home. So family and friends and neighbors all wondered, like, why on earth someone would do this? That is, until a 20-year-old man named John Chermonte, or Chermont, was brought into the station on some unrelated charges. And John was learning, disabled, and had issues with drugs and alcohol. When he came into the station for these completely unrelated charges, he told the police this wild story. He said that his former teacher, Robert Todd, told him about a, quote, "...very important assignment." and offered him $800 to kill his babysitter. What? At first, he said that Robert wanted him to surprise her in her car when she got off work, take her to an off-road, shoot her, and leave her there. But ultimately, they agreed that the best plan of action would be to give John a key to the house and just let him kill her there. So on the night of March 19th, when Robert told Loretta he was going to night school classes... It turns out he was actually canoodling with his fiance, Colleen Foucault, who was a former student of his who later became a nurse. Oh, but it gets even better. Not only did Robert and Colleen have a wedding date set for April 19th, literally one month after the planned attack of his wife, but Robert was also entertaining a girl named Judy Worthington, who was one of his current students at the time. Oh, man. So police go to arrest Robert for the attempted murder of his wife, and he maintains his innocence, of course. But more shocking is that Loretta stood by him the entire time, passionately defending him. She refused to believe that Robert wanted to kill her, and when the jury found Robert guilty, she wailed in disbelief. While Robert was in prison for a ridiculously short sentence of only like five to ten years, she regularly visited him with her two kids in tow. But eventually she came to her senses, accepted the fact that Robert tried to have her killed and filed for divorce. Since then, she has remarried and still lives with that bullet in her skull. And while it may sound like this story is over, it is far, far from it. So Loretta eventually remarried and continued raising her kids Chrissy and Anthony, or Tony for short. So now we are going to fast forward a little bit and focus on Tony. Despite his traumatic childhood, Tony received his master's degree in physical therapy in 1999 from Sacred Heart University, which was where he met his future wife, Megan. Megan, a fellow physical therapist, was a talented singer, flute, and piano player. She loved leading a healthy, organic lifestyle. She was always eager to learn new things. Megan and Tony eventually married and had three kids together. Alec, Tyler, and Zoe. And it was very important to Megan to instill the same love of music. So they had a private music teacher come to their home and teach the kids every Monday. The kids were homeschooled. Megan was, like, super involved in their lives. Super mom. So Tony and Megan, Megan was also a practicing physical therapist, and they opened their own private practices called Family Physical Therapy and Performance Edge Sports, And while Tony ran those practices, he was also a very dedicated father. He coached his son's soccer team. He volunteered in the community. He was known to be super generous and would often, like, pledge donations to various charities. His patients loved him and gave him a lot of five-star reviews on their business page. And their businesses were thriving and doing so well that they ended up selling their home in Connecticut and buying a property down in Florida, They also bought a condo in Florida that they rented as, like, another source of income. Their home was located in Celebration, Florida, which ties into, like, the whole Disney franchise, although I don't think it's owned by Disney anymore. I just know that it's, like... Associated. Yeah, associated with that. Megan ended up quitting her job as a physical therapist so that she could be a full-time stay-at-home mom to their kids, who were now, at this point, 13, 11, and 4 years old. So Alec was 13... Tyler was 11 and Zoe was four. And Tony would fly between Connecticut and Florida, seeing patients Tuesday through Thursday, then spending time with his family in Florida during the other days. He also had a license to practice in Florida as well. So I don't know if he was. They were doing well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Neighbors in Florida remember the kids being super happy and active, constantly playing outside, walking their family dog breezy. Um, The kids were homeschooled, like I said. They excelled with that routine. On Facebook, Tony and Megan would make frequent posts about how blessed and thankful they were to be given this life. They seemed super happy. But as we all know, good old facade book tends to be full of people's highlight reels. And behind the scenes, what people did not know was that Tony was in some major debt. Tony took out over 20 loans to float his business expenses and his personal lifestyle expenses. He would default on loans and then take out a new loan to pay the other ones back, and it just became this snowball effect that ultimately began to grow out of control. And meanwhile, his family had no idea that the debt was mounting. The rent payments for his business locations and his offices, they were going unpaid, Creditors were calling, hounding him for payments, and he was even getting eviction notices.
1: Yikes.
0: So around Thanksgiving in 2019, he abruptly closed his office and left his patients who were in the middle of treatment without any recommendations or referrals or notice or anything. They literally just posted on the door, were closed um, until the next year or whatever. They just put a sign that said closed. So all their patients are going to the door like, what the heck? I had an appointment. Like, right. It's nuts. Meanwhile, um, his license in physical therapy was one month past its expiration date and there was like no intent of renewal. And the FBI was actually investigating a health care fraud scheme involving fraudulent claims for physical therapy sessions to the Connecticut Medicaid program and Gosh. to other private health insurance plans for physical therapy services that he never actually Rendered.
1: Yeah, So he's he's fraudulent. Mm-hmm. His businesses are going under. He's, his businesses were booming. He wasn't paying his bills. He was getting loans, and he was doing fraudulent shit.
0: Yeah. So he was getting payments for practices that he wasn't actually doing. And on one day in August of 2019, before they ended up closing, agents conducted surveillance outside one of his offices and watched as his locations were visibly closed. Nobody was there. They were closed, but later noted that he had billed for 16 different patients that day. Jeez. Big time fraud. It turned out Tony billed Medicaid for tens of thousands of dollars worth of appointments that never took place. He used the money from those appointments to pay off the loans that he was defaulting on and also to support his lavish lifestyle. So not only was Tony in personal debt, but his businesses were the subject of three civil judgments involving three creditors totaling more than $500,000.
1: How do these people sleep at night? I don't know how people do this and sleep at night.
0: I don't either. Like if
1: if I had people coming after me in debt and this and that and was screwing people over, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night.
0: I would have like a constant stomach ache.
1: And you'd be constant anxiety, like what did people do? Like how do people do this?
0: I don't know. Even their rental property property down in Celebration, Florida, was behind on rent. And so they were like renting this place down on in Celebration, uh-huh. Florida. And the owner of the property served two eviction notices that went unanswered. So we'll touch back on that in a little bit. But
1: and he's how old at this time?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I think he's in his forties. Okay. Um, so after celebrating Thanksgiving with his family in Connecticut, like his, his siblings and like his extended family, his Florida or his, his wife and kids are still down in Florida. But after he celebrated Thanksgiving with his family in Connecticut, Tony took off for Florida on November 22nd. Unbeknownst to his wife or family members, Tony had met with federal agents the day before and admitted to them about his healthcare fraud scheme. So Tony goes to Florida and meets his family at their home, and his wife is completely unaware of what's going on back in Connecticut.
1: Thinks that business is booming, everything's going great, probably. Probably doesn't know about the loans.
0: Yeah, I'm sure the bills are probably going to their office in Connecticut or somewhere other than their actual home. Right. So she's probably really completely unaware.
1: Yeah, completely out of the loop.
0: So... Neighbors recalled seeing them walking their dog around the neighborhood as a family. Then Tony told Megan's aunt Cindy that the couple and their children were going to go on a a trip to St. Augustine and that they would not be reachable. But when Chrissy, his sister, hadn't heard from anyone in the family for like over a week and a half, she started to get kind of concerned Nobody in the family was answering or responding to calls or texts. So Chrissy called the Osceola County Sheriff's Office on December 19th of 2019 to request a wellness check because nobody had heard from the family since the 23rd or 24th.
1: He don't have him killed for
0: life insurance. We'll get we'll get there. We don't know anything yet.
1: I'm just guessing. That's okay. my Prediction. I'm looking at my eight ball.
0: <laughs> Your eight ball. Yes. Your magic eight ball. So, police went to their home and their condo, but reported that nobody was home and the blinds were all shut. They didn't notice anything suspicious, so nothing ever came of that wellness check. Um, the only thing that I think was out of the ordinary was that the blinds were shut and they still had like pumpkins and fall decor on their front porch. There was no like Christmas decor, even though it was Christmas time.
1: I predict that this guy has a girlfriend in Connecticut. He's killed his whole family, all they're right. inside dead, and he wants their life insurance money. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: Okay, Austin.
1: I don't know shit about this case, guys.
0: Uh, That's true. Okay, so on January 6th, a family member received a text from Tony's phone saying that his phone was found at a Starbucks in Sarasota and that it would be turned over to police. So, like, he obviously left his phone there. Someone at Starbucks found it, and they responded to the text. It's obviously not Tony responding. And a neighbor of the Tote family sent Megan a text saying that there was an eviction notice on their front door, to which Megan replied, quote, okay, thanks, end quote.
1: Wait, is this the Tote family or the Top family?
0: Um, did I say Tote? Yeah. You know, but I'm just making really okay. sure. Just
1: making sure we're on the same family. Yeah, too.
0: same family.
1: Tote or Todd? <laughs> I've heard you it You know what? The stories.
0: I've, tur- I've heard it pronounced well, differently. We can just ways. keep
1: switching it. I don't care as long as Tote, the, view- Todd, the listeners know. I don't
0: freaking know. I, I've seen it pronounced different ways. Okay,
1: just okay. We can call him Toddy. T
0: O D T. How would you pronounce that? Tote?
1: Hey, doesn't matter.
0: T O D T. Anyway, okay. So. Between the 9th and the 12th of January, the Osceola County Sheriff's Office received a lot of inquiries about the Tutt family. Family, friends, and federal agents were all contacting them to express their concerns about their whereabouts. On the 9th, Tony's sister Chrissy became aware of the FBI investigation, which only amplified her concerns. This time, she tells the dispatcher Quote, my sister-in-law had made a comment that basically the world is ending on December 28th and nobody has talked to them. Nobody has physically talked to my sister-in-law since the 26th of December and my brother stopped texting me as of Monday, January 6th, end quote.
1: What? She said the world was ending?
0: Yeah, and I don't know who she said that to. That's just what the... That's just what Tony's sister, Christy, said to the dispatcher. So I don't know where that came from, if that was something that Tony told her or if that was something that she heard directly from Megan. I don't know.
1: Interesting, okay.
0: Yeah, really interesting. So Megan really struggled. A side note about Megan. She really struggled with depression and anxiety as well as Lyme disease, which all of those are incredibly complex and difficult things to treat. But with this information, the family became so concerned that they created a Facebook page dedicated to find, finding the Tot family. They asked anyone on the page to please let them know the last time they had heard from the Tot family so they can piece together the situation. One fam or one woman who lived by the Tots in um, in Florida wrote, quote, "I'd say the last time I saw them was around Thanksgiving and they were all walking the dog as a family. I thought that they just went away for the holidays because their blinds are all closed." and they still have their decorative pumpkins out in the yard. The wife seemed to be a very nice lady, and they appeared to be a very nice family, end quote.
1: Thanksgiving, that's like over a month.
0: Yeah. So another wrote, quote, I saw them outside maybe a couple weeks ago, so worried about them, end quote. So on the 10th, Police do another well check and note that eviction notices dated from December 31st are still on the doors of both their home and their condo that they were renting out and that the mail in their mailbox was dated January 6th. They find the family's van located behind the building of their condo complex, but it was behind building 11, even though their their unit was in building number 9. So it's a little far mm-hmm. away, a little fishy. but worth noting, I guess. So they go back the next day, noting that the van had not moved. And again, there were no answers at the doors. And then finally, on January 13th, 2019 a dispatcher fielded a call from a special agent for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services asking for two deputies to back up federal agents so that they could arrest Anthony Tott for health care fraud. The special agent said, quote, our agents have our eyes on our target right now, end quote, and explained that Tony was seen entering his home and his wife and kids may be inside, but they weren't sure. They approach the house and knock, nobody answers, so they try to open the front door and it's unlocked. So they open the door and go inside.
1: Prediction. I got to make a wild prediction just because I don't know a damn thing and I like doing it. Okay. Later on, he's going to say that he killed his family because he was so embarrassed. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Why is that funny?
0: I just—it's just such a simple explanation. I was just embarrassed, so I killed everybody. Like I don't know. Because uh, that's what idiots it's not do. Funny. It's not funny, but it's just funny that you some,
1: said it. Some asterisk hole is going to say you laughed at that murder, and that was inappropriate. Yeah, I'm one star. of The podcast. You're terrible people.
0: Obviously, this is a true crime podcast. If something bad has happened, I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing about my husband
1: if you chuckle if you're that type of person that leaves shitty reviews because we laughed you suck
0: all right all right relax
1: <laughs> relax
0: so they go into the house all right shit's about to get very real can i just warn you yes it's this is the florida house this is the florida house the florida house
1: there's an alligator in there
0: there's not an alligator okay, okay let me just let me just talk yeah go ahead so immediately the agent said quote I could smell a strong, foul odor, which I suspected to be decomposition of something or someone, and the odor became stronger the further I walked into the home. Then they heard a man's voice coming from upstairs and saw Tony Tot holding onto the railings of the second floor, violently shaking and trying to walk down the stairs. Tony told them that his kids were probably at a friend's house for a sleepover and that his wife, Megan, was upstairs sleeping. And at one point, he even yelled, Megan! But there was no response. Officials go upstairs to the master bedroom. And when they open the door, they are completely stunned when they see what lies in front of them. On the king size bed, laid two bodies wrapped in blankets. Megan was laying in the bed while their four-year-old daughter, Zoe, was wrapped up in a blanket at the foot of the bed. On the floor were two mattresses, each with two more bodies, also wrapped in blankets. They were the boys. And sticking out of one of the blankets was a foot that was black and blue in color, already going through the mummification process of decomposition. Also in the bedroom was their dead dog, Breezy.
1: He killed everything and everybody.
0: Tony Todd killed his entire family, and for weeks, Austin was sleeping in the same bed and bedroom with their dead bodies. What? He admitted to police that he had killed them, but then later changed his story to say that his wife, Megan, gave his children an overdose of Benadryl before fatally stabbing herself in the stomach. The autopsy results showed that Megan was stabbed twice in the upper abdomen. The two boys were stabbed once in the upper abdomen, and there was no evidence of injury to Zoe. But it's been alleged that Zoe may have died sometime after everyone else. So the idea that he kept Zoe alive and in the home with her dead family is, like, repulsive. Right. So... In a letter that he wrote to his father, the one that, you know, tried to get his own mom killed. Mm -hmm. It's weird how history is, like, repeating itself. Tony said that he is 1,000% innocent and that the only thing he was guilty of was being a good husband, trying to support his family with no help from his needy and mentally ill wife, who eventually succumbed to her depression and killed the entire family before taking her own life he claimed that on the day of the deaths of his three children he was not at home and that after the killing of i'm sorry after killing the kids megan committed suicide right in front of him he said he came home to find benadryl pudding yeah and
1: i never called the police this is also stupid
0: yeah in which she gave the kids a lethal dose of dose of Benadryl but toxicology reports later determined that the levels in their system were not high enough to be fatal so it's much it's much more likely that he tried to give them Benadryl but it didn't work so he resorted to stabbing them. He also told his father that that day he went to the family's condo Um, then he had to like to do some repairs or something then he came back to the house to grab his tools and played basketball and wrestled with his sons because he's just such a good wholesome dad he then went back to the condo to make repairs and look for his daughter zoe's mickey mouse necklace he then said he fell asleep in his van took a little siesta in his van and didn't wake up until the next morning so because of that it changes everything. He rushed home expecting a huge backlash from his mentally unstable wife. His words.
1: Hold on. So this is all after he admitted to it?
0: Yes. He has now changed his story.
1: To this, to this big elaborate bullshit? Yes. Okay.
0: So he said when he gets home, he said he found the kids. And then Megan tried to commit suicide right in front of him by downing a ton of, like a big bottle, a family-sized bottle of Benadryl, which, by the way, wouldn't do it and then stabbing herself right in front of him. And he said he didn't want to leave her side to call for help because of the oath he took to never leave her side in life or death.
1: What a moron.
0: He also said he couldn't alert the neighbors because that would necessitate leaving Megan alone. But that even if he did seek help, they were never home anyways.
1: What about... uh Calling the police.
0: Oh, he said that she hid the phones and he was too scared to go search for the phones because then what if she died while he was searching for the phones and he wouldn't be by her side?
1: What about after she died?
0: That's a really good freaking question. What about for the last couple weeks? So after that, he says everything went blank and that he didn't remember anything between Christmas and his first week in jail. So
1: I just decided to resume my normal life.
0: Yeah sleeping in bed with my dead family.
1: What a nutball.
0: He said he had no idea where he was, where he is now, and the only thing he remembered was being in the hospital after he told the cops that he took a big dose of Benadryl himself. Finally, he had the audacity to express his frustration with being labeled as the next, quote, butcher of Baghdad, and said, quote, quote, I would have called a press conference months ago, but I was told by my attorneys, who happen to be some of the best in the state, by the way, they're state-appointed lawyers, but that's not, not here nor there, that that was, the not appropriate, that was not the appropriate way to handle the case. So I just sit in idle, making a list of lawsuits for when I get out. So, there is video footage of him going to the jail, and he's wearing this, like, really ill-fitting white jumpsuit that is so tight around his huge belly that it's, like, shoved far up his ass. And he looks like the penguin off of Batman. I'm going to show you this picture of him. This is what he looks like. Oh, my. Yeah. It looks like a, a, so- a suit that you blow up. Or, like, Michael Scott's sumo. Oh, shoot. shoot sorry, I was trying to show you D. Yeah. Looks like um like a sumo suit that you would blow up. That's like full of hot air. Oh
1: that's God. crazy.
0: Yeah, he looks like literally the penguin guy from the Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. That guy always terrified me, and that's him in real life. I don't life. know who that
1: is, but that's pretty creepy.
0: Well, I'll show you a video after or a picture after we're done. But man, this case. I mean, just I can't. I literally can't. I don't have the words to describe what ought to happen to this piece of trash like just eat shit and die basically is all i really want to say what's happened to him so anthony tot faces four counts of capital murder and one count of animal cruelty he entered a written plea of not guilty he is still awaiting trial as of now his trial is set to begin on september 27th in january the da the da announced that her office would no longer seek the death penalty as it was quote not in the best interest of the state because of serious concerns regarding the mental health of the defendant.
1: See, that's something that we've never talked about. I don't think we have that really pisses me off when it comes to stuff is like these people play. Oh, I have mental problems and then they get they get off with less punishment.
0: Yeah, or he'll end up just like serving the rest of his life in prison. Mm-hmm. When he really deserves a bullet in the head. This is the penguin mm-hmm. man. Do you not see the resemblance? I'm going to put this on our Instagram page. The resemblance is uncanny. He's terrifying.
1: Yeah, he's pretty weird looking. That's crazy. So he he's this hasn't even gone to trial yet.
0: Not yet. Um it will. So where's he at right now? He's in jail in in either Florida or Connecticut, I'm not sure. I should I should have looked that Hopefully up. Hopefully Connecticut cuz it's cold somewhere. Or hopefully Florida because it's a swampy jail. If I had to guess, I'd rather swampy, be in jail Florida humid, than Con- hot. Connecticut. It's not like he's laying out on the beach in handcuffs. Well, he's stuck in a cement oven.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, what a freaking idiot.
0: Anyway, that is the story of the Tot family. Thank you so much for those recommendations. That one was a doozy. Still it's so current. He's, it's, it's really fresh. It's crazy
1: that it's so fresh, and it's crazy that he slept in the room with all of them.
0: That's what I don't get for weeks. He's the spent weirdest part. In the house. I mean, it smelled like there's pictures, and I'm not gonna show you, but there's pictures of like the clothing that they took, and you I mean it's just it's it's a mess. It's, it's bad. Mess. It's really, really bad. And the boys had um, in their hands they were holding on to rosaries. It's just it's sick. It's that's so, so crazy. It's almost so, like you regretted so doing it
1: and then You
0: I know, don't know what it reminded me of? I wanted to say this. The Chris Watts case
1: right. when he
0: annihilated his whole family and then blamed it on the wife.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Before
0: finally admitting that he was the one that did it. But he tried to make it sound like the wife killed the kids, so he killed her in retaliation. Super reminiscent of the Chris Watts case. Yeah, that is
1: similar. That's wild.
0: Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Yeah, I said the F word. What are you going to do about it, Austin? It's my podcast.
1: Screenshot the picture of the Muffin Man, share it with all your friends, (laughs) and Mama.
0: Listen, the Muffin Man is nice and sweet, okay? The Penguin Man.
1: Mama. Mystery
0: out. Bye.